0: My Natato, as we continue our podcast series on the Featherston Book Town. Joining me is my fellow host Phil Quinn and Sam Docker Jones, who is an artist, a writer. His preferred media is clay and poem form. Kia ora, Sam. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Sam, you're, we're all looking forward to the uh, Featherston uh, Booktown Festival. Uh, do you have any previous experience in terms of attending, or reading, or hearing about the festival? I sure do.
1: I lived in Featherston for almost seven years between twenty twelve and twenty seventeen, and that was uh, during the periods that uh, Booktown was uh, established and started. and Towards the end of my time in Severton and actually a little bit after I'd left, I was on the Booktown board. Okay, so I,
0: yeah, I'm quite intimate with the whole project. Well, you know, it's it's a phenomenally successful not only the festival, but the fact that they have a a range of events over the year. Given given the fact that it's a, a town of probably two or three thousand. How are they able to do it?
1: Well, I think that size actually um, works in their favour. Mm. Uh, you know, fewer roadblocks mm-hmm. <laughs> you might get in a larger centre. I'm really fond of small towns just because it's easier a lot of the time to get these kinds of things done. It's easier to find the people you need to be able to help you get something off the ground. It's easier to access to space is often more affordable and, and within reach. Yeah, it's just not sort of overwhelming as it might be if you were to do it in Wellington or Auckland,
0: say. Yeah, uh, no, look, I've, I've lived in Tamaki Makoto for far too long, but I come from a small town. Also, mm-hmm. I just think that people feel a sense of pride in small-town mm-hmm. Aotearoa if they have a, yes. local, a local poet or a local... Artist that has a form of success that they, yeah. they they feel that they own you and you own them, but in a collective sense, community sense.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very true. It's it's like extended family <laughs> when you're in a small town. Yeah, uh, the good bits totally. and the bad bits, <laughs> and also the fact that it, it it's in you forever. I think even though I was only in Featherston for. For just under seven years It's um, part of me now (laughs) Just like Just like family, yeah So
0: Sam, like any Artist or writer Or uh, musician You know, we all have early influences Tell us about your early Influences and what got you Into the, into quite A a varied uh, Sort of art space, both hard form Clay and poetry
1: Well, I was I was trying to think about what the sort of early uh, books that I read that would, that got me into all of this business. And one that I really landed on was Old Blue by Mary Taylor. Do you remember that mm-hmm. one about the Black Robin? It's a picture book about robin called Old Blue. Uh, I think there were down to seven of them left in a little island off the Chathams. And Old Blue... Ended up saving the species, and this book, which is written and illustrated by Mary Taylor, I was just absolutely enchanted by the the images and the storytelling in it. Yeah, that may
2: have been what really kicked
1: off my book
2: love affair. I think. And and, Sam, your your love of um your your work with clay, how how long has that been part of your life, and did did, did it predate your Relationship with uh, poetry? How do the how did uh, how do those two interact?
1: Well, it's all storytelling, right? Um, yeah, it's all it's all making, it's all craft. Uh, yeah, whether whether you're standing in front of a canvas with a paintbrush, or before a a computer screen, or with a a chainsaw and a block of wood, it's all just yeah. making stuff and uh, spinning tails uh, and sometimes, sometimes everyone needs you to be quiet so you can't operate the chainsaw, <laughs> and so, yeah. you, so you sit on the keyboard. And then some, sometimes the keyboard's kind of smallness isn't enough for all the drama that you, you need to unleash. So you get out the slab of clay and whack it around.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I've all, often so thought too that, that, that of all the other art, of all the other sort of art forms, you know, working with clay or sculpture, really, and, um, more broadly, is quite sort of analogous to writing, isn't it? Because writing, in a way, is like putting every idea and every word you've ever had on a, you know, figurative potter's wheel and culling it and shaping it and, you know, reducing it down to something that's singular and unique. And and, and tell me, so it sounds to me like, like you're, you're sort of your creative impulse, right? Your creative energy is is the primary force not not the form the form comes later you know is that that kind of it just flows out of you in different ways i'm so full of admiration that you would have the discipline and talent necessary to master more than one form but the way you describe it it kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. you're you're a creative being and these are just manifestations of that
1: it's true it's a compulsion and i'm not Able to not do it. <laughs> if I the the few times I've tried to fit into the office worker m- model, I
2: become really sad. <laughs> mm. Oh god, um, tell me about. it, I'm yeah. the same. I can't. I can't. <laughs> not.
1: I do it every. I do it every week.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I have great admiration for all of you who managed to do that because, um, I mean, I I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> mm. But I'm, but I'm much happier this way.
2: Uh, why, why the move down to the coast? Why, why the move down to the coast, Sam?
1: Yeah, I live in Greymouth now, it's, it's, mm. so it's partly just that I think small towns are excellent. That's one part. The other part is after I left Featherston, I tried to move back to Whanganui at Atado, which is where I grew mm. up. Yeah, um, but I, it was it, the times had changed, and it was just completely unaffordable. I don't know how artists, writers, musicians are supposed to live in the, um, the main centres of New Zealand. It's impossible. And so our cities are going to become kind of very bland places, I think, when all the artists are um, forced out. I Absolutely. Mean, it means that the small towns and regions are going to. Um, benefit. <laughs> the cities would really be
0: Look, I, look I, was,
2: I, was, I was paying more to flat. I was paying more to flat in Wellington than I was paying when I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. and you know when I stepped outside my apartment and on the Upper West Side it was New York, mm. it wasn't Wellington. Thanks, one you know, and, yet I, and yet I was paying more. To live in a bloody suburb of Wellington, it's it's completely yeah. unaffordable for the arts community, isn't it? It's well, out of control. Well,
0: don't don't get me started. I live in Tamaki Makoto and our current mayor. What was the first thing he did when he mm. discovered this deficit, the, the so-called okay. deficit? What was the first thing he did? Arts. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's often the first mm. cut. Now, but look, Sam, correct me if I'm, uh, I'm wrong. You either live or work in a church, correct? Both. Both. Do you feel, yeah. the, does the wairua, does that inspire you? Yeah. Does it at yeah. times frighten you? How, you know, <laughs> what, 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 what impact does it have on your, on your day-to-day life?
1: Well, it's, the, it's wairua rich, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's not just the building, but mm. it's, yeah, the, it's the place too. Like The sound of the surf is in the air always. Yeah, It's just a very alive place, the West Coast and and so, yeah, so when I couldn't live in Wellington, I started looking around again and i I just ended up looking in Greymouth, and there was this old church, it was perfect, and now the church is my art project as well as the place i live
2: yeah i've, I've read I've read about it. it's amazing what you've done there, and so uplifting and so positive and general mm. generally speaking i I know you've had some trouble, but Generally speaking, do you feel welcomed by the community there? Do you feel part of it now?
1: Yes, I, I, I really do. There was that blip um, last year when it was that the church was vandalised. But I think, you know what, I think that would happen anywhere. I don't think that's unique to the West Coast. And overall, I found it to
2: be the friendliest place I've ever lived. But I think uh, idiots. idiots are pretty much available everywhere. Um, sure? <laughs> but uh, I think it's incredible and inspiring what you're doing
0: there. Sam, when you're walking down the street to, 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 to buy your milk or you're going uh, walking along that wonderful but but scary sort of shoreline and, and grey mouth yeah. that leads on to forever to a hookah do you see a person across the road from you and think, it's my next character? Do you, see, do you see the seashore and go, there's my next poem? How, how does it work?
1: Well, the answer is yes. Yeah. And I have to be very careful about that.
0: Hmm.
1: I think a lot of people who make things have practised the powers of observation and become quite obsessive little gatherers. I'm, I, one of my favourite things to do ever is to eavesdrop in the pub yep. or on public transport. There's enough of like them that. in Greymouth. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, because you you get to capture these sort of voices and flavors and colors
2: that it's just it's real gold. <laughs> um, oh, west coast pub, west coast pub banter is the best pub banter in New Zealand by a oh country mile.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah, uh, I I've, it's the best. Like, I re- I can't use the language on this podcast with you. But it's very colourful ways of talking about Mm. (laughs) Camarillo. For example, like uh, sort of mountain people with hearts of gold. There's just,
0: I love them. But, you know, the West Coast is a very unique part of Aotearoa, New Zealand, where it has a very rich working-class history for many years, Dominating in the earlier days by uh, the falling of cody, and then of course uh, coal mines, but in 2023 you got that that dynamic and that conflict between environmentalists and some of the folks that have a history of coal mining. Does does conflict does it help uh, generate or grow your creative juices, Sam? I don't think i think no, i think mm.
1: conflict is not a place that I enjoy mining for art that that conflict is is definitely there that you you feel it and encounter it every day, but it's not something that i
0: have found myself mining ha, ha, ha mm. for energy <laughs> you know. yeah now, now sam you live in you live in grey mouth you in in your um in in your church you'll Heading off to in uh, mid-May To the Featherston Book Festival Tell me how you cope with Meeting fans Meeting people who know you work really well uh, Do you do you find it uh, both intimidating and liberating?
1: The answer is yes It, it still cracks me up to mm-hmm. hear someone say Meet your fans I'm not yeah. sure it's quite like that <laughs> But your admirers. That's more like it. <laughs> I really enjoy after I've made something, handing it over to the the person who um, is engaging with it, for them to do with what they want. And I don't really feel the need to um, insert myself in the uh, into that encounter. I've 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 sort of provided some shapes and colours and sounds for them to do with as they wish. <laughs>
2: That's a, very, that's a very healthy attitude to, your, to, you know, your creations, I think, because a, a lot of people can become, you know, protective, defensive, you know, mm-hmm. never seek endless perfection, so never find it. You fashion something into, into what you had in mind, you mm-hmm. fulfill your, your ambition, and then you let it out into the world. There's something very healthy about that.
1: Well, I think that, I mean, I, I've had this happen to me when you, you love something, and then you get told that no, 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 don't no, you've got it wrong. That's not what it's about. Well, yeah. What's the point of that? <laughs> There's um, yeah. no, that doesn't serve any purpose at all. So, I, and I'm not interested in explaining what something means if it's not what the person who's engaging with it has enjoyed
2: finding. Yeah. Well. Or- audience reception theory, I think they call it. But, they do. But, oh, yeah? Yeah. But, but yeah. here's the thing, Sam. So wouldn't that also enable you to move on to the next thing better? And that would probably yeah. then allow you to to roam around these different forms that you work in, which I, I, I find you know really impressive, hard to grasp well, in a way. The maker, the maker of the thing doesn't even know
1: what they're doing. They know that something is happening, something is being produced, they know that it has has feeling uh and energy and it but it can remain in my experience it can remain mysterious and that's kind of delicious in its own way. And people can come and say, Oh, I read that or I saw this and this this was my reaction
0: and you go, Oh wow, I haven't hadn't thought about it like that before. How cool. <laughs> With artists, Sam, they there's often two ways in which you know, their work is sold um, Something is made Someone sees it on a shelf Or sees it in Gloria uh, Your you're funny where you live Or yeah. they ask for, for a commissioned uh piece of work yeah. Do you have a different approach? Whether it be work a commissioned a work Or something that you've organically developed?
1: Yeah, yeah Commissioned work is, is hard mm-hmm. Because Actually I was talking about I think this relates. I was talking about arts funding with a scientist friend and how in in these applications you always have to say what the outcome is going to be. But kind of the whole point of art and science is that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Mm. Yeah. And and it's a little bit the same with a commissioned work. So I say, you know, thank you so much for (laughs) commissioning this work. I can give you a kind of very loose idea of how you yeah. we'll look at the end, but it's each, 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 everything
2: I make is a surprise to me. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy to commission somebody with your creative ethos that you've just described and try and constrain them or, or constrict them into some predetermined outcome? I mean, that seems to run. You know, why would you go to you for that? I mean, you would go to you. <laughs> To 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 well, yes, to exactly. <laughs> have you to to experience the way you interact with art and and the way that you interact with ideas, rather than trying to, you know, formulate something. It, it I did seem that, that where the the people,
1: the client said, "We want to commission something from you, whatever it is."
2: <laughs> Which felt, yeah, well, that was a
1: that was a huge gift.
0: But yeah, and 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 to the extreme, Sam, have you ever been asked or been given a some direction and a piece of commission work and said, "I just can't do that"? Yes, I have. Mm. Yeah, because I would imagine that commission work probably pays pretty well. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tricky because that's that's
1: yeah, it's where you can get some proper pocket money sometimes. Yeah, and and so it's very difficult to say no. Most of the ones that I get are people saying, "I saw this piece and I'd like something similar." And mm. I uh, and I just say, "Yeah, okay, that, I'm. I'd love to do that, but you know, similar is the word here. It's not going to be the same."
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want them saying, "Oh, can you make us six, you know, coffee cups or, you know, a din- a, a, a coffee table or something like that?" You know, I mean, <laughs> you, you're you're not an artisan. You're an artist. It's a it's a different disposition.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Sam, what's yeah. gonna what will you be doing come the Featherson Booktown Festival?
1: The Booktown folks have asked me to recreate my Gloria of Greymouth Pink oh. Church project in Featherson and a sort of pop up like a pop up church. Cool. Exactly.
2: Yeah. A um, pop up a pop-up little... decommissioned church to, <laughs> that celebrates camp, right? I mean that's yes. that's yeah. Which, yeah, is just, can, which is just, which is, which is so tremendously just, you know, challenging in all the best ways
0: and, and empowering, mm-hmm. empowering yeah, for totally. you, Sam, and uh, as a raving mm-hmm. heterosexual, I reckon empowering for me too.
1: Oh yeah, it's uh, for everyone.
0: Yeah, uh, I th- the, the
1: something that I really cling to is p- silliness and play. Mm. Um, a lot of the time when people want to engage with art or or writing, that they can be a bit scared away by the sort of over-intellectualizing of it all.
0: Mm. Yeah, like yeah, sort of yeah. want to
1: appear very clever. <laughs> but the main thing about it is that it's fun, um, that, yeah. that it's plain that it's make-believe, uh, that it's experimentation, and all that's camp. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's what Gloria is, yeah, a celebration of. So I'm setting up a sort of pop-up Gloria space mm. in person, and there'll be uh, poetry workshops and readings in that space.
0: Sam, one thing I've really enjoyed about I've only been once to the Booktown Festival, but and I took my then 15-year-old that loved it. A lot of young people go, and what I find about young people is. <sighs> They they'll they'll say what they mean. They'll say, "Gee, that stinks," or "Man, that's great." But do you yeah. do you see a sort of a different interpretation from from younger people uh, that are still forming the, the the views on life? Do you see a rawness that sort of um, you can understand? Do you mean about sort of the arts, or or pop or the, just the, generally? Generally,
1: yeah, yeah, I do. A story, a, a moment I think of often is about 10 or 15, actually more like 15 years ago, I was running a, a clay sculpture workshop. I was rolling, running one for kids and one for grown-ups. And the, the grown-ups would come and say, oh, I want to make this, um, I've never done clay before, but I really want to make this real-life, realistic uh, bust of my grandmother's dog. <laughs> and, you're like, and you go, well... <laughs> <That's gonna happen. laughs> and then, and then at the kids' one, you just muck around. And then at the
2: end, when the parents come pick them up, they say, "Mum, Mum, look, I made this rock." <laughs> I just want to draw. I just want to just chime in here and say, in relation to young people, I, I as a, as a gay man born in 1970, you know, I for for all those closeted years you know i was terrified of mm. camp because mm-hmm. because i knew how much i loved it how much mm. i wanted to be mm. part of it how much mm. i wanted to touch it and and yet it was the it was the last thing in the world i could be seen to be associating myself with in my in my mind at the time mm. and i just i just think you know if i was 15 or 14 or whatever and met back in those days and met an a, a proudly a gay man expressing himself as fully and authentically as you are on the west coast, living the life that you're living you know that that exposure to that you know could have could have fundamentally altered the you know direction of my life because it was the absence of any of that kind of positivity mm-hmm. that that yeah. that kept me in the closet so long so I think we we often it's very easy to sort of take the advances we've had for granted i think but when i think about young people particularly young gay people trans people and so on it's it's such a wonderfully inspiring thing to know that they have access to people like you and and they're able to see you as a role model in a way that will that, that will transform their own sense of their own possibilities not just you but but broadly across whether it's George, the late Georgina Buyer, rest in peace, others, totally mm. transform the world. And, and I just want to say that you, you it probably doesn't occur to you, but for you know, for for young people in Featherston or anywhere else, in country towns where it's still tough, it's still tough to come out. The positive kind of role model that you're offering, living your authentic self, and doing it in you know Greymouth of all places, what an inspiration! I, I just have to say that. Thank you. <laughs> Really, um, really lovely to hear.
1: Thank you. Um, and you know, the, I think the reason I've come to be in this space too is because I, I, I mean, I'm sounds like I'm twelve years younger than you. Uh, I so I was a teenager in the '90s, and there was still yeah. nothing. I mm. mean, I, there was still it was tough, um, it was rough. I didn't. I grew, went to a school in the Hut Valley with almost two thousand kids in it, and as far as we knew, none of them were gay. <laughs>
2: Yeah likewise um, at my at my at my school in Puerto we there was no I bet, you know no, yeah. again it was 12 years earlier but yeah it yeah. it really is the uh, last it really is the last 10 years a lot of yeah it. yeah I know. it's a fabulous uh revolution
1: that we seem that we're in at the moment uh and I I just uh, I feel like I've become quite dedicated to making sure that nobody has to be as
2: lonely as I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, well and you, you've had the courage to embrace the camp. I wish I'd done the same. Well, um, congratulations. Yes. Well, it's it's. it's it, I'm not going to say it's never too late because I sure as hell embrace the camp these days. I'm talking yeah. about as a as a young person. You know, it was. Uh, yeah. You know what it was like. It was a, it was an oppressive way to grow up. Yeah. And the fact that that's changed to the degree that it has in such a short period of time is cause mm-hmm. for pretty pretty much course, celebration. And we just need to make sure mm-hmm. this horrible anti-trans Trend uh, is not is not allowed to continue because this looks like the the next battle that we've all got to take on.
0: Exactly, Sam. Uh, like uh, many, we're looking forward to meeting you uh, at the Featherston Booktown Festival, twelfth yeah. of the fourteenth <laughs> of May. Kia ora, mana koe, kia Thank you very much, and uh, look forward to seeing you at the festival.
1: Yeah, kaki te ano. bye. bye.